Hey, you are listening to the Bike James Podcast. Hey everyone, this is James Wilson with MTB Strength Training Systems and BikeJames.com and welcome to another edition of the Bike James Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Pedaling Innovations and the Catalyst Pedal. The Catalyst Pedal is my creation. It is the world's first midfoot optimized pedal and it is created based on the movement principles and science that exists out there that the cycling industry really doesn't want to talk about. And the result is a platform that gives you a full five inches of support underneath your foot. It's no wider than a normal pedal, so you're not exposing more pedal to rock strikes, but you are able to support both ends of your arch. And this allows you to get pressure through both the ball of the foot and the heel. And this really helps out in a couple different ways. First, you're going to get increased power because you're able to get better hip recruitment. When you don't have pressure through your heel, you can't recruit your hips properly. This is why if you're in a gym and you got a trainer yelling at you, don't come up on your toes, drive through your heels. You literally can't recruit your hips properly if you don't have pressure underneath your heel. And the other thing that you're going to get from this uh, platform is better comfort because you aren't placing stress on the knees, the low back, the foot and the Achilles tendon. You're not jamming your foot into the your, your shoe with every pedal stroke. The result is a much, much more comfortable ride. In fact, a lot of riders tell us that aches and pains that have plagued them for a long time are gone within a ride or two of switching to the catalyst pedal. And again, they're losing no performance because you're able to recruit your hips better. So you're getting more power, better efficiency from that foot position and uh, and platform. So anyways, you can check us out at pedalinginnovations.com. Got a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's how confident we are that once you try them, you'll know that that's a solution that your feet have been looking for. And this episode is also brought to you by the Ultimate MTB Workout Program. This is my flagship training program. This time of year, a lot of people are are starting to think about what they're going to do for off-season training. And the Ultimate MTB Workout Program is a full annual training plan. It has a six-month off-season training plan and a six-month in-season training plan. And unlike a lot of other training programs out there, it covers absolutely everything that you need from strength and power and mobility to cardio. You've got three different cardio programs, one for downhill, one for enduro racing, one for cross-country racing. It covers nutrition. It covers skills. Basically, anything that you need to improve as a rider, this program includes. And so it's a really unique holistic approach that that looks at everything that you need to improve as a rider and gives you a systematic way to do that. So again, you can check that out at ultimatemtbworkout.com or if you're at bikejames.com, you can check it out in the training program section. So that does it for our uh, sponsors for this episode. So let's get to it. So in this episode, we are going to talk about overtraining. And overtraining is one of those words that, I mean, everybody's heard, uh, probably has some definition in their head of, of what it is, but really when you get down to it, few people truly understand what are the processes behind it and then what does that mean? Like, how can we use that to our advantage, both to improve our results from our training and then also to avoid overtraining itself and avoid having to take time off and the negative consequences that come with that? So, you know, to start off, you know, what is overtraining? And overtraining, it, it, it basically boils down to an energy balance in your body. And it gets down to, at its core, your autonomic nervous system. And your autonomic nervous system is the, the unconscious 
nervous system that controls, you know, things like your heartbeat, digestion, um, you know, things like that. And so the autonomic nervous system has two parts to it. You have your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system. And your sympathetic nervous system is your fight or flight reflex. It, it is dealing, it is spending energy to deal with stress and, and things in the moment. And then your parasympathetic nervous system is your rest and relaxation side of things. And so this is your recovery. This is where, where you would recover from stress. And so there's a, a constant energy balance that your body is trying to achieve between expending energy on stress in the moment and then having energy to recover from stress. And so your body uh, you know, shifting between these two, uh, sides of, of the autonomic nervous system, the sympathetic and parasympathetic is what this boils down to. And in a nutshell, again, this is, you know, generalizing things a little bit here, but what happens is, is when you are under stress, when you're training, when you're riding your bike, uh, you're under stress. And so you're engaging that sympathetic nervous system in the moment to deal with that stress. And if you are engaging that sympathetic nervous system too much or too often, and you're not getting the parasympathetic nervous system engaged enough to offset that, you kind of get stuck in, in the sympathetic, the nervous system, sympathetic nervous system. You get stuck in that side of things and it gets hard to get out. And that is kind of your, your classic overreaching, you know, your beginnings of overtraining where uh, you're, you really start to feel uh, run down and sore and start to feel like you're getting sick. And this is your body really trying to force you to slow down and, and take some time off and let it catch up. And so, uh, again, that, that's really all it is. The whole idea is to balance the, uh, the stimulating your body with stress and engaging that sympathetic nervous system and then... Uh, and letting it relax and recover. And so this is where you get that classic equation that, that, you know, has been used a lot that training plus recovery equals results. And it's, you know, uh, you know, things are cliche for a reason. It's usually because they're true on some level. And this is one of those things that because you're, you're, uh, this, you're, that's the missing side of the equation for a lot of people is the, recovery side. And so when you're not focusing on recovery and you're not, uh, balancing out that, the, the, that energy system, um, you know, or balancing out the energy, uh, between the two nervous systems there, that's where overtraining starts to come in. So what can you do to avoid it? Right? So this is, it's, it's gonna, when you train and you're going to engage the sympathetic nervous system, you're trying to balance that out. So how do we avoid that? Like that's the, the primary thing is you don't want to be dealing with it all the time. And like, how do I recover from it? Like we want to avoid it in the first place. And so what are some strategies that we can use to do that? And so first thing that you can do is to plan your training week and to train and to plan it out according to, uh, you know, the, you can look at it as hard, moderate, and light days. Um, I like to follow the uh, Joel Jameson uh, uh, talks about what he calls recovery, stimulation, and development days. 
if you think about development days are, you know, those high end days, like the, you know, the, the nine to 10 on that, you know, RPE or your rate of perceived, perceived exertion, like your hardest workouts, your hardest rides, you know, those are your, your development days. Those are the times when you're, you're really digging deep and, and, uh, um, you know, really giving your body a big stimulus to have to recover from. And your stimulation days are the days where you're, you just that you're stimulating things, but you're not really pushing them hard enough. You're not, you're not really trying to develop things. You're really trying to solidify, you know, maintain if you want to look at it that way, uh, as well. But these are the, the days that are kind of like your moderate days. And then your recovery days are days that are focused on just that recovering from your other workouts, specifically the, the development days. And so these are the, the three types of, of workouts that you can have throughout the week or really days because you want to look at, uh, everything that you're doing with that. It's not just training or, or training and riding. You also have to look at your whole life as well. I mean, stress is stress. So, uh, you know, having a, if you're working four 12 hour long days in a row, uh, you know, just because you didn't ride or train during those four days doesn't mean on the fifth day, the first day that you have off, you're going to be able to get a development day in and, and, you know, train and, and, and ride real hard because obviously you're going to be a little tired and, and worn out from work. So again, like having, you know, looking and being realistic about where you're, how much energy you're expending in different areas, both in, in training and riding and, and life in general. And then, uh, you know, tr- planning your week around it. And, you know, it's funny. I've got my, uh, my, my kids. I got a five year old, the, the little dude who did the intro for the podcast here. And I got a 13 year old and I have this term, this phrase that I've come up with and I call it raging against reality. You know, tell them, don't be a reality rager, right? Like reality is reality. Like getting mad at it isn't going to help. And so, uh, with them, it's things like bedtime, you know, like 9.30 is 9.30, like don't rage against reality. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just it is what it is. And I feel like a lot of riders need to embrace that when it comes to planning out their training week. And you can't rage against reality, man. Like it's it is what it is. Like, you, you know, your job, your other life stress, the the schedule that you're able to get versus what would be optimal all of these things are their reality. And so your, your job is to try to optimize reality. Like that's, that's what you're trying to do as best you can. And so planning your training week and just being realistic about what days are going to be recovery, stimulation and development and then trying to stick to that plan. That right there will go a long, long way. I think that'll, will clear up. You know, the, the, uh, a lot of riders who struggle with this problem, that right there will go a long way towards helping them avoid that. And so just in general, you know, I've worked with a lot of riders at a lot of different levels and, and I've found that one to two development days a week is going to be ideal. Uh, you know, realistically closer to one. I mean, really how many hard, hard days and hard workouts can you recover from? And unless you've got some things optimized, I mean, unless you're getting, you know, your solid eight plus hours of sleep a night, you know, your, your good nutrition, you're getting, you know, uh, mobility and other recovery tactics in to help, uh, speed things up. 
realistically, you're going to have trouble doing more than like one to two hard days a week. And these development days can also be if you're, if you have two training sessions in a day, right? So if you're, if you're doing some strength and conditioning and doing a ride in the same day, that would be a development day, even if neither one of them necessarily goes super hard because we're, we're taking a look at the, the overall training load that your body is, is under on that day. And so that being a high training load, that's going to be a development day. And so, uh, again, like one to two of those a week is going to be ideal and then filling in the rest with stimulation and recovery days. And in general, the, the pattern that, that I like to use, and again, just taking this off of, uh, what I've learned from Joel Jameson and some other sources is having a, uh, a stimulation day, having a development day after that, and then having a recovery day after your development day and then repeating that process. So it goes stimulation, development, recovery, stimulation, development, recovery. And so that right there is a good, uh, a good pattern, a good rhythm for your workouts. And then, you know, adding in an extra, you know, the adding in stimulation or recovery days is needed to round out your, your week. Um, but that, uh, that idea of having a stimulation day before a development day to kind of prime your body for performance on that development day and then having a recovery day after your development day to again, just acknowledging that your body worked hard and, and we're trying to get things to into recovery mode so we can actually reap the benefits of that workout rather than just continuing to bury a hole for ourselves because that feels like what we should be doing and call that training, which just leads to overtraining. So, uh, so those are some really kind of my number one piece of advice for how to avoid overtraining is, is through smart, planning of your training week and being realistic about it and uh, that'll help avoid a lot um, some other wet things that you can do is being proactive and and try to detect it before it happens and making adjustments because again if you wait until you start to feel the symptoms of overtraining it's already a little too late like you're already uh, beginning to, to enter overtraining. And so there are ways that your body will let you know that it's starting to enter that state before you feel it. And if you can detect that and make adjustments before you start feeling it, a lot of times you can head off overtraining um, and, and not have to, uh, to deal with it quite as much. And so one of the simplest ways to do this is through checking your morning resting heart rate. And this has been a classic, uh, you know, um, test, I guess, if you want for, uh, endurance athletes and athletes in general for a long, long time. And, you know, again, you can look at your heart rate, a, a lower morning resting heart rate generally indicates, uh, that your, your, uh, fitness, your conditioning is improving and seeing your, your heart rate elevate more than five beats per minute is an indication that you're under stress. And so again, if you're usually at, you know, 55 beats per minute and then one morning you're at like 60 plus beats per minute, then odds are that you're like, that's a, an indication that your body's under extra sympathetic nervous system stress. And that elevated heart rate is indicating that your body is, is dealing with some uh energy needs in the moment 
whether it's still kind of dealing with a, a workout or training session that you, you had before or you're starting to get sick. Um, but there's something going on. So you may not necessarily feel it. So the heart rate's a really easy one to track. Uh, along with that, I've been using, uh, throughout the years on and off tracking my HRV, my heart rate variability. And this is something that you're, you know, probably have heard more about over the last uh, year or two. And you're just going to continue to hear more and more about it because HRV really gives you a unique insight into your body and allows you to make some, some good adjustments based on it. And what it is, your heart rate variability, your, uh, so going, when your heart, your heartbeat, you don't want it to beat like a metronome for the most part. Uh, the, so for example, like when people say like your heart rate is 60 beats per minute, what they don't, what they don't mean is that your heart is actually beating one beat per second. <clears throat> Excuse me. What it means is that you are, averaging 60 beats per minute. So it may be a little more, maybe a little less. And over the course of 60 seconds, it averages out to 60 beats per minute. But there's variability in how fast your heart is beating throughout that 60 second period. And that heart rate variability is what HRV is referring to. And so the, the, that heart rate variability is a direct window into your autonomic nervous system and also into your aerobic fitness levels. The higher your HRV is, the higher your aerobic fitness levels are. So this also allows you, if you're doing a conditioning program that's trying to, you know, improve your aerobic conditioning, you should see an increase in your HRV. And if you're not, then perhaps the program is not doing what you want it to do. But anyways, the, 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 autonomic nervous system window is also extremely valuable for us to uh, to have as well. And the reason for this is because now you can start to see this balance between your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system and, and what's going on with it. And so you can see that if there's a, a change in your HRV, then again, this is an indication that, that this balance between the, the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system is getting out of whack and uh, allows you the chance to make adjustments if you need it. And so the, uh, um, one of the things that I've been using, there's, there's a lot of things that allow you to, to track your HRV, but I've been, I've used the BioForce in the past and the next generation of that is, is, uh, called Morpheus. Uh, trainwithmorpheus.com is the website, but it tracks your HRV, your, your morning heart rate. It also plugs into your fitness tracker. Uh, you can even just tie it into Google Fit on, on your phone if you don't have one, um, to track like your steps, uh, tracks your sleep. Um, you can track your training, uh, you know, track your heart rate and training loads with that. And so it, it gives you a, you know, tracking all of these different variables, it gives you a recovery score. And it, you know, basically green, orange, and red. And if you're green, then that's an indication that, you know, you're recovered, the energy balance is good, uh, and you can train hard, whatever you had planned that day. If it's orange, then things aren't bad, but they're starting to get tipped a little bit out of whack. And, and if you don't 
watch it, uh, then you can easily get knock things out of whack and start heading into overtraining. And then if it's red, then that's an indication that things are really uh, out of whack and, and you can easily start to get into overtraining here and if you don't make adjustments. And so that daily recovery score, uh, that's, that's, you know, mostly based on your HRV, but take some of these other things into account really helps with uh, seeing what's going on and how you're recovering and then allowing you to make adjustments. And so probably the, the, uh, easiest adjustment to make is on your, your training loads. And so again, whether you're just measuring your heart rate or whether you're also measuring your HRV, if you have an indication that your body is not recovering from the stress that it's under, that it's under, you know, uh, um, you know, under additional stress or whatever, then you need to adjust your training load. So if that day was supposed to be a development day, then uh, you may need to adjust that. You may need to uh, cut back a little bit on on your workout or a ride, or if it was supposed to be a strength training and a ride, instead of doing strength training, maybe doing a, a mobility kind of active recovery session to go along with your ride. Um, you know, if it, and so being able to make adjustments like that, so you're not just kind of blindly applying this, like the plan, it's, it's like the old saying that no plan survives contact with the enemy. So yeah, you're going to have a weekly plan and out of four weeks, man, if you get one week where you actually do that plan, that'd be great. But you're, you're probably going to be making some adjustments along the way. But if you don't have a plan to make adjustments to in the first place, then, you know, it's hard to make those adjustments. Um, but the, like I said, the making those adjustments based on your recovery status, uh, you know, be it your, your heart rate or HRV or a combination of both, uh, really helps. You can also apply active recovery tactics. Things like, you know, active recovery workouts. Uh, Joel Jameson refers to what he calls high performance recovery workouts. Because again, you, you're, you're not necessarily going to recover better just by sitting around and doing nothing. And so having these light, easy workouts actually helps your recovery. Like you should end these workouts feeling better than when you started. Uh, you're using like massage, heat, cold therapy, contrast therapy. There's a lot of different things that can help push your body in one way or another to, to recover faster. And so, uh, um, you know, you can use those as well. But what's also cool though is that if you're using HRV in particular, you can use the, the, those recovery tactics a little more selectively. Cause again, if your HRV, for example, drops, then you know that you're more sympathetic nervous system dominant. And if it rises, then you know you're more parasympathetic nervous system dominant. And so certain recovery tactics respond differently to that. So for example, heat, like using a, you know, hot tub will have a strong sympathetic, um, response. And so, or, or parasympathetic, like, uh, um, you know, causing you to relax. And so if you're already, uh, um, you know, parasympathetic uh, dominant, that may not be the best strategy, but on the flip side, cold therapy uh, works the opposite way. If you're already uh, under a lot of sympathetic nervous system stress, then doing cold therapy and adding to that may not be the best call. So you can actually selectively use tactics depending upon which direction your HRV is headed 
to uh, just make a little bit better use of them. And so again, this is something that with the Morpheus um, app and, and recovery band that uh, um, you, you know uh, goes more into. But again, just something to to keep in mind with that. And then finally, uh, something that I mean, really, this is something that's been getting a lot of different press in a lot of different areas. But the idea of breathing and meditation and it that the the different benefits that it can have for you but one of the things that it has been shown and, and linked to is improving hrv scores and helping to shift the body from a sympathetic to a parasympathetic dominant state and so using uh um you know uh, breathing and again even if you don't get so far into it as a call it uh, meditation, but there's a lot of different breathing exercises, um, and, and strategies that you can use to help improve your ability to, to breathe from the diaphragm and not trigger your sympathetic nervous system with panic breathing. And so your, your breathing really affects these things as well. So, um, which, you know, something you should be focusing on during your training. And this is one of the reasons that I'm, I really emphasize with people when you're doing your cardio training. You should be focusing on your your posture and your breathing. And if you find that you're shifting, like you want to be able to try and stay in, in that relaxed state under stress. And so if you're shifting into that panic breathing and triggering that sympathetic nervous system, then you're just making the situation worse. And so um, anyway, so it'll, you know, uh, good breathing tactics will help you in a lot of different areas. But this is something that it will help you with as well. So, uh, so anyways, that's uh, about it. I got on my notes here. Uh, you know, again, the idea is to train hard, recover hard, and get the results from it. And like I said, that you're you're not going to enjoy the results from your training if you don't recover from them. And just more training does not necessarily equal better. But by the flip side, you need to be pushing yourself hard enough like you know with the um the morpheus app for example like if if the recovery scores are always high and 90 percent plus you can probably work harder you know so it, it works on the flip side and letting you know like hey man you can you it's probably safe to push yourself a little harder just like it's also going to let you know like hey you may be pushing yourself a little harder than you need to and you can back off a little bit so staying in that sweet spot is what you want. That's how you're going to get the best results. That's how you're going to stay injury free. That's how you're going to be consistent with your training and your riding. And that's really one of the, the secrets to, um, doing this and getting better, especially if you're, you know, trying to do this for a lifetime. Um, you know, constantly having to take time off to deal with overtraining and injuries and things like that that come along with it really starts to drain your enthusiasm and, uh, um, you know, love for riding. So anyways, uh, so that's going to do it for this episode. If you have any questions about it, you can, you know, leave them in the comments, uh, with this post or hit me up at james at bikejames.com. Uh, remember you can check out bikejames.com to get, uh, you know, sign up for the newsletter or I'll send you a free 30 day skills and fitness workout. I got a bunch of other free workouts you can sign up for there to check out a bunch of free tips and things. And, uh, yeah, remember to check out pedalinginnovations.com and the catalyst pedal and the ultimate MTB workout program. Great program for you to check out, uh, especially now heading into the, the off season. But, um, yeah, anyways, like I said, any questions, let me know. Always happy to help and I will talk to everybody next time.